it's all anybody writes about and and we're all watching with rapt attention almost with a bit of schadenfreude go looking at the u.s and saying you know oh man what has happened to you guys but there is something very very interesting here for me um, as a person who's very interested in brands because the u.s has been uh, more than a country it's been a mythic place where we all look to for our ideals and now we're watching some of the cracks in that system come up uh, with the new U.S. election. Why? We're, we're, you know, every, everybody has their, their point of view, but um, a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing comes down to tactics, you know, or, or personalities of people like Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. And, and frankly, I'm getting a little bit sick of it because I feel that that just skirts past the issue and, and, and is very, very superficial. I want to dig in a little bit deeper and, and find out from someone who is uh, a trained professional in this area, uh, a very good observer, uh, what the heck is going on on a deeper level. So I reached out to my, my old friend, behavioral psychologist, um, John Marshall Roberts, and uh, I want to bring him aboard. John, can just if we've got 20, 20 to 30 minutes, can you please make sense of the entire situation for us? And maybe, you know, if we've got a few minutes left over, we can cover something else. <laughs> Not a problem. How hard could it be? <laughs> well, you know, Mark, you know, there actually is a very simple matrix that we can use to start to see how and why these crazy things are happening and how they're part of an evolving system and ultimately how they're all good as they say, right? A lot of the ugly stuff that's happening right now is actually, as I see it, the airing of dirty laundry that needs to be cleaned in order for our culture to move forward. So I'm happy to use this lens to help you and people who uh, listen to you take a breath and, and enjoy this moment for what it is at a deeper level, because you're certainly not going to hear that point of view on Fox and CNN and MSNBC. So take, take us back to the beginning. You see our world, our, our civilization broken into very, very distinct points of view, worldview. Can you take us through the, the worldviews that you see dramatically shifting or being knocked down or built up in this election or just worldviews that are coming to light in this election? Sure. I'll try to be quick. For people who might not even know what a worldview is, a worldview is a habitual way of looking at the world that frames everything we see and the decisions that we make. The term has been used loosely by a lot of people. I'm using it very specifically, and in fact, the point of view that I'm coming from is based originally on the research of a guy named Claire W. Graves, who collected data for 30, 40 years, and saw that there was a process, a natural step-by-step developmental process that the human mind would move through. He found eight stages. We cracked an equation called the voice code and found that there are a total of 12 worldviews that take us through the entire spectrum of human consciousness. This craziness we see with the election is all playing out through four basic worldviews, stage five through stage eight of that 12-stage path. And these are very familiar characters in all of our lives, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not academic at all. For example, stage five is what we call the believer. Right now, that's about 20% of the U.S. population. These are people who see life in black and white terms. They value discipline, authority, and purpose. Usually a sense of purpose, though, that's outsourced to some sort of external authority, often a religious authority, although not always, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, They have this mantra in life, which is to sacrifice their self now 
for a future reward. It's all about that. Right. Now, in U.S. politics, that's often, not always, but that's often the Republican base, the rabid Republican base who felt that Obama you know, stole our country, who maybe thought that Obama was not real, a real American, mm-hmm. and so forth. But that's a very sexy point for people who are in that believer camp who are feeling disenfranchised. Now, who has been leading the believers are the achievers. Stage six achievers, uh, a lot of them are what we call the fiscal Republicans. They value success, power, and affluence. Instead of looking at life the way the believer does as a test that you pass or fail, the achievers look at life as a game to win or lose. It's a different way of looking at things. Their goal is to express themselves to get what they want and to try not to get into trouble. The achiever mindset evolves out of the believer mindset. So people who are in that all or nothing black and white believer mindset eventually get tired of the authorities that they've been committed to. They maybe see hypocrisy in it or they just get they want to be more free inside. They then evolve to start to think like the achievers. Now, between those two worldviews, we have what's called the Republican Party in the U.S., Mm -hmm. right? And the other two worldviews form that we haven't covered yet, the Explorers and Pathfinders, form the Liberal Party. And when you understand just those four worldviews and the tensions that emerge around them, you understand U.S. culture very, very well. You understand the election very well. In a nutshell, this entire election is about us collectively coming together to heal the wounded achiever shadows. Understand that the Achiever worldview originated around the Industrial Era with the Industrial Revolution. So the birth of the scientific method, you know, Descartes coming up with this crazy idea that we could figure out truth on our own terms, that we didn't have to go to a priest to figure out what was true. And that led to the Industrial Revolution. And ever since then, the Achievers were just uh, you know, they were on top of their game, right? Mm-hmm. They've been ruling the world. What happened is, with Obama's first and then second victory, the balance of power moved, finally, for the first time in the U.S. culture, to stage seven explorers, which is what we generally call the liberal base. Mm-hmm. Um, they are valuing empathy, relatedness, equality. They look at mankind as a family. They're much softer. It's a different point of view. And it's much more in, internal looking and reflective. Now, that's a big deal because the explorer were always, you know, the wimps. Think of the high school drama between the bully and the sensitive guy, and they're fighting for the girl. The sensitive guy would be the explorer, the liberal base, and the bully would be the achiever. Suddenly, the sensitive guy steals the girl, and the achiever's like, what the hell just happened? That guy's a sissy. And now the sensitive guy's getting mad with power. He was always kind of arrogant underneath the sensitive ways anyway. So now he's afraid the bully's going to get the girl back. Now, but if you look at this, if you look at this, I mean, I can go all the way to, uh, you know, the rise of the nerds. You know, you can look at uh, how intelligence has is the new brute strength. You know, you look at guys like um, like Bill Gates, and you're going, these are the guys who, who, who got beat up in school, you know, by, by the high school jocks. And, and the jocks were the strong guys. They ran the big muscular companies. They put men on the moon. And now the nerds are taking over. And, and I can't imagine a lot of high school jocks who look at that and go, oh my God, everything is great. I can't imagine them being very comfortable with that. Our culture is formed by the dominant worldview. The cultural conversation is shaped and framed by the dominant 
worldview. For the first time ever, the explorers with social media and the Obama, there was sort of a pendulum swinging after the believer stage five excesses of George W. Bush that created a culture in which Obama's voice was a successful rallying cry. And, and the plane of control shifted to where the so-called nerds had the power. And the dots are going, yeah, that's all right, we'll get it back. Mm -hmm. They're not getting it back. And that's what I think the Republican Party has been grappling with. They're trying to get the old coalition together, but it's not going to happen because there's been a healing that happened actually in the believer camp. Even though we see some crazy, rabid, black and white thinkers in that camp, actually there's been a bit of a healing that's been happening behind the scenes so that the believers surrendered to this new normal at some level. Mm -hmm. And now you'll Things, for example, like gay activism and uh, climate change activism happening in a lot of even fundamentalist type of religious circles, things that just weren't going to happen before, you're seeing that more and more um, being okay. Their dirty laundry got aired and healed through the, a lot of the traumatic events when George W. Bush got in office. That healing has made it so that the achievers who used to be able to rally them with, with a, a lot of rage and you know all this stuff, they no longer are able to do that. So the Republican coalition broke down, is the bottom line, and they splintered off in a way where now they can't hardly get a majority. At the same time, understand that these worldview segments are growing in different ways. The believer segment is actually decreasing. Mm -hmm. It's gone from what I estimated to be 25% to around 20%. Since 2008, according to my data, it could be give or take, okay? The achiever is staying stable at around 25% of our, our culture, but the explorer is rising. Right now, it's about 24%, but it's rising. So the sheer numbers are beginning to really pile up. The bottom line is the bully's not getting the girl back until right. he learns to be a little more sen sensitive. Okay, so now uh, you, you had an interesting perspective, though, that uh, Trump, uh, I mean... You you don't think that he uh, he he his his main game is to stay in the game and to win the game. He's not he's not he doesn't believe what he says. He'll say whatever is expedient. And there, I mean, we've seen incredible hypocrisy coming from this guy. Incredible swings from what he used to say he believed in to what he believes in now. So is this is this is this the uh, is this the achiever, the person that is is going down, the the one who will who will say whatever is expedient in order to win and. Further to that question, does that make Hillary Clinton somebody like that? Great question, yeah. Again, I think the way to understand this election, if you really want the simple news, and also to take a breath and see that even though it's crazy, it's part of a healthy process. Mother Nature is guiding us to heal ancient stuff that was buried that we never saw before. So just it's good to hold that frame as we look mm -hmm. at this. The basic thing that's happening here is that the achiever wounds are being brought up so that they can be healed. Donald Trump is a very interesting character to me. He is, in a sense, the canary in the coal mine for the old American dream. The way he's thinking, he's not actually believing half of what he says. He sees life as a game. He's an achiever. He does have integrity, but yet it's integrity to his own agenda. He doesn't even stop to consider whether it's important that what he says is what he what he really believes in his heart because he doesn't know what's on his heart. That's the point. The achiever 
doesn't listen to their heart like that because they've never gone through that process of looking inward. Anybody in the audience who's ever gone through a dramatic life change but forced you to look inward, you start to realize that there's your ego, but there's also this other you, like a larger you. I call it your voice, but there's like a larger you, right? And you start to you start to get humble. You go, oh, wait a minute. There's a bigger me, and this bigger me is really awesome, and I kind of want to get to know it better. But we don't really get to that stage, to that awareness until stage seven. That's what the shift between stage six uh, achiever and stage seven explorer is. Understand, though Trump is a human being connected to all of us, and in a sense, he wouldn't have any power if he wasn't reflecting that Hmm. in our psyche. You get that? Hmm. Our entire culture right now is being challenged to go from, get this, I mean, this is a dramatic shift from externally facing the truth is out there uh, find happiness and success but uh, through traditional metrics build a big castle that's gold and shiny and everybody will know you're a success but you're still not happy inside look at donald trump it's, it's, he's actually a tragic case in a way wait 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 uh, i mean i remember i remember this uh, you know this great piece where you, you they said donald trump he builds all these statues not statues but all these edit, uh, monuments you know the Trump Towers, fills them with gold, not so much because it's what he loves, it's what he thinks the world perceives as what a billionaire should look like. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, that it's not even him. He's just like, well, I think this is what a billionaire should be. So therefore I'll make it, you know, 10 stories tall and, 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 uh, golden and, and it's a picture of me and, and you're going, how could anybody like that? Well, point is he might not like it. He might not even know what he likes, but he thinks it reflects what he should be. Beautifully put. Just understand that's what the achiever is working through. We all start out as a baby and we go through these 12 stages. Most of us don't make it all the way through, at least not in one life, and I don't know what happens after we die, but I will say everybody is working through these same lessons. What's going to happen is that regardless of who wins, we're going to heal those shadows eventually. I hope it's not in a really traumatic way, but it might be. But we're going to heal those shadows, and as a culture, it's really good news. It means that we're moving towards a culture where we're looking inward and, and kind of connecting with that larger us is considered an important part of being human and being a citizen. It doesn't mean that the achievers won't still be able to go out and have fun making money. It's that we're going to have a healthy expression of the achiever worldview. So tell me, you know, we've we've had we've had the uh, you know the. Um the, the, the U.S. brand of, of going forth, going west, young man, seeking your fortune and making more of yourself in a, in a place that's all about the Wild West. What is the brand going to be if, if, if we're talking about the, the, the future that's going to pass? We are going to go through a catharsis here. Things are going to be upended. We're going to have a lot of uh, painful self-analysis go on. Like you said, it could be a good president or a bad president, but it's going to happen anyway. And I agree with you. But what is that brand going to be? If we watch the movie in 10 years' time and this has all happened, come to pass, what will the brand be that all the rest of the world dials into, the U.S. brand? From my point of view, basically we're becoming a bunch of pot-smoking socialists. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was was half kidding. That is what's happening, by the way. Obviously, pot's becoming legal and, you know, gay marriage. I mean, this is a shift towards tolerance. But, you know, I'm half kidding because I think that the Achiever achiever worldview evolved, right, around when the U.S. rose. Uh, And the Achiever worldview brings wonderful gifts 
to the world. It just got a little mad with power. It didn't have a successful challenger, so it got a little bit stale in some ways, starting to gain the system. There's a lot of excesses of the Achiever worldview. As the explorer rises and the Achiever worldview heals, we're going to have, it's like that old commercial with the, the, the Ziploc baggie, yellow and blue makes green, right? right? The two colors come together. As the um, Achiever and the explorer heal that rift, a beautiful thing happens. We have a flowering when stage six and stage seven heal that tension, which, by the way, has uh, been being healed for a while. Remember the 99% movement? Right, of course, right? the Occupy movement. That was a bunch of, that was just another flowering of this tension that we've been working out for a long time. That was a bunch of explorers camping out outside Wall Street, the Achiever headquarters, blaming them for all the world's problems. This has been working out for a long time, guys. All these things we see are just tension, and we're getting close to healing it, hopefully we can do it without like when a fever breaks it gets it gets really bad before it mm -hmm. gets better i hope we can do it without that but one way or another they're going to heal as they do the explorer and the achiever come together and then our culture's center of gravity really starts to inhabit what we call the pathfinder worldview which i think is america's natural creative trajectory and it's quite a worldview the pathfinder looks at life as a system in which all things are connected right. it's here to try to express itself to get what it wants but in a way that serves life in which no one's no one gets hurt and all of life flourishes so pathfinders are all about creating solutions that serve all of the plane of control. Even the believers, the pathfinders have their problems. They're still evolving, but they're the only worldview on the plane of the developed world that can see from all the other points of view and are here to create solutions that are sustainable and that work on an economic, planetary, and people, humanistic level. So the brand of the U.S. is moving quickly towards the Pathfinder. In fact, if you look at the shift in our economy with the rise of digital technology that was ushered into being with Apple, Facebook, Google, a lot of these companies have a real Pathfinder brand essence. So that's mm -hmm. where it's all going. Um, and in, in a sense, we've already kind of gone there. It's everything that we're seeing now is kind of having the changes that have already happened ripple back through the explorers, achievers, and believers because this sort of cultural operating system has already changed. You know, it's funny because uh, when I teach marketing, that's one of the first things I teach my students is the adoption curve, right? You've got the, the values-based people who, who adopt everything right up front just because they're dying for new stuff. You've got the early adopters. You've got the early majority. And I think we're sort of moving from early adopters into early majority a bit uh, with the whole, you know, when you're looking at social media. But you still have a vast majority of late adopters and even the laggards who are saying, you know, I've, if only I could get my rotary phone back, that thing really worked well. Um, and and it's, it's a big, long, it's a big, long adoption cycle. And, um, and maybe what we're seeing is just the the bumps along that adoption cycle, but I, I fully agree with you. I had a I did a talk uh, on Friday uh, about the the evolution of the green brand, and it went through exactly the same thing from resistance. You know, we talked about the the correlation between the Occupy movement and uh, Greenpeace. You know, resist everything, and then the sort of the cynical movement taking place where everybody paid lip service to green without actually doing anything, just trying to hang on to the profits for a little bit longer. And then it started to flourish. We had the Teslas of the world, the Chipotles of the world, the Unilevers, uh, folks who were taking bold moves and being innovative, and it 
breathed a breath of fresh air into the thing and everybody goes, you know what, there's hope for this. And the green stuff to buy is actually way cooler than the old stuff. Maybe that's where everything is going with the U.S. as far as politics goes, too. It, it most definitely is. And I just love you looking through this lens because it helps me understand the big picture and how all that's happening now is part of a natural process through which mankind evolves. You know, we just keep evolving. The conflict is part of that only because you know we, we have to look at what we've been unwilling to look at in order to integrate it and, and move forward as a mm-hmm. whole. So we're challenged constantly to look at what's buried in our unconscious so that we can remember the truth. And the truth is beautiful. We are all connected as part of a, a whole, which is evolving towards a beautiful, beautiful future. I can tell you, if, if we were to talk about what happens after stage eight, you know, get into stage nine and above, it's beyond awesome. The Pathfinder, though, um, is now been in power for a while. Obama's very much a pathfinder. If you mm-hmm. look at my book, Nighting Inspiration, I wrote it in 2008, right when Obama was coming to power. And, and it just really helps people understand that path, that point of view. I really recommend anybody who wants to help lead this process, really study that pathfinder worldview and embrace it. But what we find is that when you're a pathfinder, when you're thinking from that lens, there's a bit of a loneliness that comes in because you start to recognize that not all the world is getting that just yet. Yeah. And it forces you to be a leader in the sense of being willing to be the one who digests the fear of the populace first. Get it? So yeah. if you're out on the limbs kind of pushing the edge, and you are a pathfinder because you're willing to take that on. But if you do that, what you find is this beautiful journey where you find explorers coming to follow you now because they start to believe in you. They become your early adopters. Once you've got an economically viable argument for whatever you're you're doing, right, the achievers will jump in and mm-hmm. they'll help you with some scalable systems. And the quickest way to make this work, here's the secret recipe for anybody here who really wants the shortcut. See, the challenge of Pathfinders is that they have to forgive the believers, stage five, which often Pathfinders have a negative relationship with organized religion and uh, because they're very sensitive to the abuses of authority and you know, a lot of the hypocrisy and stuff like that that is, has, has come from a lot of organized religion. Their main challenge is to forgive that and mm-hmm. to, to develop a, ha- a healthy, loving relationship with that worldview. That's already happening now, which is why I know that our world's moving forward. Obama brings a healthy attitude towards religion, even if they don't like him. He does, he's not either a zealot, but nor is he negative towards it. Mm-hmm. What that does, that if you're a pathfinder and you can find it in your heart to be loving towards, or at least forgiving, towards religion and all the excesses of the past, that grounds you a lot quicker. And it makes it a lot easier for achievers to see the value in what you're doing. It feels more grounded to them. It also makes it easier for the explorers to follow you. Because that basically, one way to get these four worldviews is based that the pathfinders are planet, the explorers are people, the achiever is profit, and the believer is purpose. So anybody looking for a sense of purpose, they have to heal their relationship to the believer worldview in our culture. That's where that sense of purpose, they kind of own that piece. So basically, we live in a wonderful time if we understand what's really going on and how this works. Um, I think the challenge for most people is admitting that they don't know what's going on, surrendering, and really opening up to looking inside. That has not been culturally endorsed, and it's become one of the number one survival skills. Scott, right now. 
now, I mean, if we just look at the U.S. election, you've got a whole this whole mad panic going on, and I, just listening to you, I, it calms me down because I go, uh, you know, this is this is the way things are going to go. I can see where where it is going, um, and and once you kind of understand that this is an evolution, not a revolution, um, it calms you down a bit. Yeah, it definitely calms me down a lot. You know, yeah. I became rapidly politically motivated after living in New York at 9-11 and, and then all the wars that happened. It seemed so ugly to me. And I became a big fan of Obama and I went through that process. And it doesn't feel good to be yeah. worried. It doesn't feel good to be upset. I needed to see that there was I feel like life is supposed to be happy and good even when it's ugly. And I kept searching to understand how things could be good despite the ugly. Eventually, I came upon this system, and I used it in the battlefield, found that it was very effective, firmly convinced that it's true. So if this is a, a correct point of view, then everybody can just relax and enjoy the ride. I would say the number one thing is to just not be so worried about the future, but be focused on maintaining your own peace of mind and try to see things through the lens of the big picture like this. The truth is, if we come from a point of view of fear and attack, it doesn't matter what our choice is going to be. If, if somebody who listens is in the U.S. and they're worried about who's going to get in office, the most important thing I'd say is just focus on actually coming from a place of not being worried or fearful in the choices and the actions that you take. One of the main lessons we have to learn as we move through stage seven and stage eight is that it's not always so much what we do, it's how we do it and why we do it. Focusing on our why and coming from a place of peace and happiness and love and joy and all that makes a big difference, not just metaphorically for us, but as it seems to uh, be according to these natural laws, we come to realize that the outer world is largely influenced by our inner choices, right? So there is no actual world apart from us objectively. We're creating the world through the act of observing it. So that may sound crazy to some people, and if it, if it does, then they can tune it out. But for those who might be um, inspired, please consider that. You have way more power uh, than you would think, according to the media. And that your main power comes from your willingness to put your own happiness first. That's an awesome thing to close on. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for letting us get all our uh, all this stuff out on and start looking through it. I know we went kind of deep. Hopefully, people enjoy it. Well, uh, and again, if I, I, I think but, I think what pe- if if people listen to it, people are going to go, oh, I kind of see a method to all this madness. I see a pattern. I see, I see a future. I I can put it all into perspective, and I think that's great. Now, John, if I want to get a hold of you, worldviewthinking.com, right? Yes, real quick, right? So I opened up a can of worms here. If you want to dive a little deeper for free, right, worldviewthinking.com. I've been releasing some vlogs that will really dive deeper on everything I've said here. And I'm also inspired to announce that my book, The Voice Code, Master Your Inner Game, is out. It dives a lot deeper uh, also. And we're doing a launch party in L.A. where we're going we're releasing the audio book, the digital book, Right, the Kindle and the main book at the same time. And I'm feeling a really awesome wave coming where I think a lot of the crazy that I'm talking to you is really catching on. I think it's uh, really exciting. So thanks for giving me a chance to promote uh, what I'm up to on that end as well. 